welcome to the All Things Overlanding podcast. My name is Fletch, and I'll be your host. Are you ready for some great overlanding content? Then let's get into it. Hey there, Fletch from All Things Overlanding here. Today, I'm going to be talking about a conversation I just had with a friend of mine on a sort of overnight camping trip that we took last weekend. What came up was we were talking about sort of like all the fancy sort of technological gear that we all kind of are into, myself included, right? No judgment here. Um, But all that technologically advanced sort of gear and the potential failures that may come from that versus like old school, more mechanical type stuff. So I'm going to dive a little bit more into what my definitions of those things are here on this episode today. But if you have been kind of thinking about, you know, maybe that next techie special sort of magical type piece of gear that you haven't picked up yet and you're just using some old school sort of mechanical alternative this may be some good information or some good thinking points at least for you know things you might want to consider before you make that big technologically advanced purchase Um, so let's get into this I'm pretty excited about this one because it's something that I've been thinking about quite a bit and I've always struggled with it because I like tech I like software I like you know the newest best thing but in a lot of cases it may or may not be the best option right so let's talk a little bit more about mechanical versus technological overlanding gear and when you should pick one or the other guys so as I mentioned in the intro today I'm gonna be talking about sort of old-school more mechanical type pieces of gear and I'll give you some examples of that versus the more like new age technological type of stuff and you know there's gonna be pros and cons of both so again do not view this as I never ever say this is the right way this is the wrong way these are kind of my opinions and the way that I'm looking at them the whole idea of all of these podcasts all these things that I do for you guys all the YouTube videos is to just kind of give you some information right and maybe help you think about it critically so that you can figure out which one's best for you mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So let's just start with an example, right? The one that actually came up on my conversation with my friend this last weekend was we were talking about uh, water pumps. Uh, This friend of mine, he bought one of those, you know, fancy sort of USB rechargeable uh, water pumps that you can put on top of like, say like a three gallon or five gallon or seven gallon water jug. And then you can push a button on the top and it pumps the water up, right? It's got a straw that drops down into the water container and you push a button and it will just sort of like your faucet at home, right? It kind of turns like a water jug into a faucet on the campsite. I recently bought one of these. I still have not used it because I'm lazy and it's in my box and I just haven't taken it out. But This made me think a little bit because I was like, you know what? Yes, I have one of those. Yes, he has one of these. We're all buying these things, right? And so I wanted to think a little bit about, you know, when those fail, what happens, right? Now, and in this case, it's not like it's life or death, right? 
So in this situation, again, I don't, I haven't even really used mine, even though I've had it for like six months now, probably because I don't ever remember to use it. So part of it is not overbuying gear, right? And I talk about this all the time, not just buying stuff because it looks cool, not just buying stuff because somebody else says it's cool and you need to get it. Um, that's why I went out and bought it is because somebody else had bought one and I was like, oh yeah, that's genius. It would make my cooking way easier, right? Versus dumping a big, huge, you know, multiple gallon thing into a pot to try and put a couple cups in or whatever. Uh, it'd be easier just to pump it out. And it would be if I remember to use it. So like, I am in a big sort of retraction of gear right now with my own gear. And, and that's part of what I was thinking about when we had this conversation was, you know, is this piece of gear really necessary? And if so, how do I make myself utilize it more, right? So, but in that instance, so let's say I have been using it, right? Let's say that I use it every time and I go. One thing with the technologically advanced gear that's kind of a con is, you know, a lot of it is battery powered. And that also could be a pro, right? Like you could say, well, yeah, but you can recharge it. I don't have to worry about bringing batteries. I just need a micro USB or USB-C charger and I can get that thing charged up. That's true, unless you get to camp and are trying to use it and then your battery's dead, right? So the technological stuff can have some drawbacks in that it adds complexity, it adds planning, it adds things that you gotta do in order to make just your water pump work, right? Like. That thing sits in a, in a case for three months, maybe in between trips or something, or you don't use it in the winter because it's too cold and you're afraid it's gonna freeze and break, right? So that, that's another thing is it's limited based on the weather and stuff that you you know may be exposed to. But let's say it sits in there for months and then you try and go and then your battery's dead. All of a sudden it changes your whole plan, right? Like it's inconvenient now, you're doing the thing that I just talked about that you're trying to avoid by buying this gear, which is pouring a big huge jug into like a measuring cup to try and get a cup of water, right? So there are definitely gonna be pros and cons of both, right? So in that situation, there's that. Versus there are also though, a lot of attachments or lids, if you will, for a lot of these water jugs that have sort of a mechanical spigot on it. So you could just turn a lever to the left or the right and it will open up a ball joint inside of there that will let the water flow through and it's mechanical, right? It's, it's cheaper usually, it's easier, that you don't have to worry about charging it or anything like that. One sort of downside is you may have to worry about breaking it off. I've had a lot of those that they just come on the jug and then you may break that off versus like the electrical pump ones. You almost always have to like put them on the jug. Um, but so again, like in that instance, all that I'm trying to accomplish with this little example is that, you know, there are some pros to the, the technologically advanced, you know, pump-based, battery-based uh, options for getting water out of a jug into a measuring cup or into a, a pot or a pan, something that you're going to cook in. But then there are also some advantages to sort of the old school, more mechanical style of spigot type deals, right? Where you just set it on your tailgate, maybe if you have a truck and you turn the spigot and you get the water and you turn it off and it's done. So again, weather can be a downside to technological stuff. Batteries don't hold charge as much when it's cold outside. If that thing breaks and it costs you 20 or 30 bucks for this water pump, some of them are cheaper. You can buy cheaper ones, but sometimes they just break on their own, right? There isn't even a weather cause. They just, because you spent less money and you bought the cheaper thing, it breaks the second time that you use it. And then again, all of a sudden you're back to pouring this giant jug in and trying to make it work. Um, so there, you know, there are a lot of cons to the technological stuff. The cons to the mechanical stuff, I feel like are mainly just, they're not quite as convenient, right? They're not quite as advanced as the technological stuff. But I think if I had to, in this instance, talking about this example of a mechanical spigot versus an electrical spigot, I'd probably go for the mechanical spigot most of the time because as long as I'm careful with it, then I know that it's gonna work. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling 
wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another example of sort of mechanical versus technological stuff is cooking, right? So, um, I've kind of recently, again, retracted a little bit on this. I've got a ton of propane things. I've got a ton of propane fire pits, different propane tanks like my Ignic, you know, portable growler, propane growler. I've got another five pound tank. I've got a 20 pound tank, a bunch of one pound tanks. There's just a ton of complexity that comes with getting more and more advanced in the cooking stuff too. So that's just another example of things that, you know, we could go overly complex on. Now, propane's been around for a long time. It's fairly straightforward. You don't have to have multiple tanks. You don't have to, you know, bring a ton of stuff. You could just go with one or two one-pound tanks and be fine. Or you could mount, you know, permanently or semi-permanently mount a five-pound tank or an 11-pound tank or something on your vehicle. So you just always have it there. And you literally just have to hook up a hose to it, right? And then plug it into a regulator and you're cooking. Um, there are pros to that too, right? Like, again, being able to have fire no matter what. If there are fire bans, you don't have to worry about how do I have a fire to cook my food. You can just turn on your propane stove, cook away. You also have finer motor controls of, of you know, the flame and the heat so you can cook fancier stuff. It's not just so much on-off type of thing or having to adjust how high you are above coals or flame. Um, but then sometimes, like recently for me anyways, like I recently got this Otzi fire pit and this thing is awesome. Like it has multiple levels that you can put the grill at above the flame. So you kind of do have that granular control over how much heat and how much fire you've got coming up and cooking your food. Um, but it folds really super flat. It only weighs like eight pounds, which is less than my, my propane uh, stove that I've got. It takes up less room. It's totally flat. So I've actually kind of gone to that. The last couple trips I've gone on, I haven't taken any propane. I haven't taken my propane hose, you know, adapter hose. I haven't taken my propane fire pit. I just took this little tiny eight pound fire pit and I just, you know, you have to adjust a little bit. Like I'm not doing as fancy a meals, but I'm just doing like canned chili or like a, a mountain house meal. I'm just boiling water over the fire, right? So if you're doing that kind of stuff, sometimes again, that mechanical stuff can be sort of a benefit. Again, is a fire gonna boil water as fast as a jet boil? No, it's not, right? So then if time is a concern, if, if you do like to have that fine control so that you can, you know, cook fancier foods, cooking over a fire is gonna limit you, right? So that's where I'm saying too, this is another example where like in this case, maybe the mechanical stuff is more of a con because you don't have as much control over the heat. You don't have as much control over, you know, fire bands and things like that if you're in a place where you can't use it. So there are some cons to that. But again, in my case, for me, it's been a pro because I'm in Indiana. We don't really have fire bands or anything like that here. And it has reduced greatly the amount of stuff that I have to pack when I go on my trips recently. So that's why I've kind of moved that way. But again, think through those, those, those pros and cons of each, right? And, and you also have to think about the complexity and the things working. If you go in the winter a lot, and I know some people have said they haven't really experienced this, I go in the winter all the time and I've had propane tanks freeze up on me. I've had them where it's so cold outside that when you start to disperse that gas, it, it you know how your tank usually gets condensation in the summer. It's because that's cold inside of there. When that temperature change happens, sometimes it can freeze up your propane lines and your propane's just not gonna work. That's a case where maybe just a plain old, you know, fire with some sticks and stuff would be a better option for cooking in the dead of winter. Um, so again, pros and cons of both, right? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And then I'm going to kind of give you a third example here that I thought of. I was talking to someone recently about trailers, right? So they have like a really awesome, really technologically advanced trailer that has built-in AC. It has, you know, one of those powered fan-based things that will vent air in and out. It's got, you know, hookups for like TV and all kinds of crazy stuff inside of it, right? So you could basically be like staying in a, like a tiny little mobile home. But this is a teardrop trailer that we're talking about. And then as I was talking though, I was like, that's really cool and I like it. But like, how long can you run that AC before, you know, off of your built-in battery? And they're like, oh, we can't. It's, it draws way too much power. We have to be on shore power. We have to be hooked up at an electric site in like a state campground, right? So then right there, you got all the fancy stuff, but in order to use it, you've got to be limited in the places you can go, right? You can't go out into the middle of nowhere and camp out in the summer and still have AC. You don't get to take advantage of those, those benefits of it when you are off-grid, right? Or out overlanding somewhere that is not doesn't have shore hookups, right? Which is very limited. So in that case, then I was telling them about like TC Teardrops, which is a brand I'm very familiar with. I've, you know, met Todd and Carol at, you know, the last couple of years of Core and at Moore Expo and things like that. And their trailers are awesome. And I love them because they're very well priced for what they are. They're very mechanical. And what I mean by that is, again, you can put batteries in them. You can put solar on them. You can do all that stuff. They're not, not to say that they don't have any technology, but the way that they build it, I feel like, is to make it as mechanically sound and repeatable and reusable as possible. So like a couple of examples of that is when you pull the, the back door up, right? So it has kind of a trunk, which is where like your fridge would go or all that sort of stuff, your fridge, your galley, storage, that kind of thing. Um, they have these really interesting like springs that basically you kind of just like tap them and they, they invert, like they bend, right? And then that's how you close the thing. But then when you stand them up, the springs kind of by their natural state go stiff again. And then that's what holds up your, your tailgate to your galley. They could have gone with some fancy air struts or something, right? Like a lot of places, a lot of things, rooftop tents, trailers, things like that use air struts for everything, but air struts wear out. Air struts are a little bit more technologically advanced. Sure, they're a little bit nicer. Maybe they take some of that weight off for you. You don't have to lift as much weight to get it up to where it locks in place. But like just from a longevity standpoint, you do have to worry about maintenance and replacement and things like that when you're talking about that kind of stuff. Whereas on their design, it's like this spring is going to last for 20 years, you know, maybe more. Um, another example is, you know, a lot of these things have these fancy, like, pull-out full galleys and kitchens and, you know, they're maybe on some sort of a hydraulic system or a slide or something. They've got all this plumbing for all this water and stuff that you can put in and out and things like that. Whereas on the TC Teardrops, they have this really ingenious, like, wooden handcrafted system that is basically, like, folds flat and goes down into the galley. But it's like a, a cutting board style table and then like a wooden support for it that you pull out and you attach to the back of the trailer and you set this you know perfectly made wooden table on top of. But like that thing's gonna last literally forever, right? Like you don't have to worry about a gas strut going out or a hinge breaking or something. It's all mechanical and sort of old school craftsmanship. And I think that there's a lot of pros in that, right? So like when I'm looking at these really fancy trailers, I'm like, I don't, for my instance, right? And the ways that I like to go overlanding, which is to get as far away from people as possible, as far away from technology and electricity and things like that as possible. I couldn't even use a fancier uh, teardrop. And in that case too, they oftentimes cost a lot more money, right? So there's also the downside that for those technological advancements, you're gonna have to pay more money. So again, that was kind of the third example that I thought of 
the whole point, like I said, of this whole thing is just to kind of talk about some thoughts that I had that came up from this conversation and make you guys think about it a little bit, right? So I'd love to hear from you guys. If you're watching on YouTube, go down into the comments, post up your thoughts, right? Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why the technological stuff is 100 times better. And that's totally fine. I want to hear from both sides of the aisle on this, right? It may seem a little bit controversial, but I don't think it is. I think that there are you know, pros and cons to both. And again, I like the technological stuff. I've got a dual battery system powered by Red Arc in, my, in the back of my truck right now. It's one of my favorite things. But the day that that fails, everything changes, right? My whole trip is ruined. Everything is gone. I've got to make some expensive decisions on how to fix that or replace it or repair it, that kind of thing, right? So this is where it's kind of coming from, right? Like I'm thinking about this stuff a lot as I build my setup. How much mechanical do I want to retain? How much technologically advanced stuff do I want to bring into my setup? Um, so again, I hope that that was interesting for you guys. I hope that that gives you a little bit to think about. I would love to hear from you guys down in the comments. Um, also in the description down below, whether you're on the podcast or the YouTube channel, are going to be links to Facebook, Instagram, the Patreon page, which I'm trying to grow because it's it's awesome. We've got a Discord where we all chat, and I'd love to have more of you guys in there. Um, so check that out. There's also the Newbie Overlanders group, which is growing like crazy. We're over 8,000 members now already, which blows my mind. It's been maybe eight months. So we're growing about a thousand people a month so far. So awesome. Thank you guys for that. Um, if you're listening on the podcast too, and you get a chance, leave a five-star review, leave a comment. I, I read those things. I'd love to hear from you guys. And it really helps the podcast grow. So, you know, if you've got a second, do that too. But again, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. I appreciate you guys. And uh, there'll be more stuff to come next week. So look forward to talking to you again. Take care. Bye.